So this week we saw one really bad episode and one really good episode. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. And, you know, the first one, Loud as a Whisper, was fucking terrible. And then yeah. we what? had the Schizoid Man, yeah. which so far is my favorite episode of The Next Generation. Okay, I don't know what you expect to get out of Star Trek. I really don't understand anything about how you watch it. I don't understand anything about how you interpret it. I don't understand anything about what you like, what you don't like. Um, and, and frankly, I, I think that uh, this show was an extremely poor idea on my part because you are sullying my love for Star Trek in such a way that I don't think I can ever enjoy it again. Well, then at least I've had an effect on your life. Uh, I really liked Loud as a Whisper, actually. Uh, okay. It's, it's, I love the concept of it, I will say. I didn't like the execution, but... Well, okay, so I think that, um, frankly, you're just a little too cool for Star Trek. I am a little too cool for Star Trek, thank you. Because I've said this before, but I think Loud as a Whisper gives me a good opportunity to, to really talk about it. Um, this is an extremely dorky episode. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the, one of the things that I love most about Star Trek is that, and especially, you know, the next generation particularly, um, cause I, I think that you could make the argument that Deep Space Nine is, is kind of the coolest Star Trek. Um, I know some people would probably disagree with that because they would say that the original series was the coolest, but come on. No. I also know people who would disagree because the phrase coolest Star Trek, they would find an oxymoron. Yeah, but we're not making the show for them. So fuck them. Oh, but great way to, way to get rid of an entire possible demographic, Eric. Sorry. Uh, no one's paying us for this, so you know whatever. Well, yeah, uh, maybe if we had cool kids watching. But no, one of the you know one of the things about about Star Trek, especially the next generation, is that it is extremely dorky. Oh yeah. Um, you know, Jordy's a big nerd. Data is a big dork. Um, a lot of the characters are like that, and I think you know it's also extremely earnest in a very sort of like United Nations way that I appreciate because I just like earnestness sometimes, and I like dorkiness and. This is a message episode. This is an episode which is very, very, very 80s. But it's, I don't know. There's just something about it that I like. Nothing well, nothing really happens. There's no plot. Let, let me, maybe I should clarify why I did not like this episode. Because everything you just said, I completely agree with. And like I said, I liked the concept. And I guess what I mean by that is everything you just said, I'm totally with you. I liked where the episode go. I loved the concept of this chorus. You know, I thought that that was very well done. Just this episode was very poorly directed and edited, and it was very poorly acted. And those two kind of ruined it. I saw the One of the things I noticed very immediately with this, usually Star Trek has been very good with its commercial breaks of having, like, something shocking happen or, you know, the mini cliffhanger. They've always done that fairly well. In this, the scenes just kind of end when they hit, like, a certain amount of time. And, like, the pacing of it is very off. The guy who plays Reva does overacts when he needs to be subtle and is subtle when he needs to overact. Uh, he needs to be—he's he, kind of playing it a little too under during the initial scenes. He needs to be a lot more over the top than he is because then when he finally kind of becomes human towards the end of the episode— uh, He's he, that's when he starts going with these wild gesticulations and stuff, and he looks ridiculous at that point when we're supposed to be humanizing him. Oh, so you think that sign language looks ridiculous? Yes. Okay, well, that's offensive. It but is. Um, deaf people will not know that because they can't listen to this. That's true. No, I kind of I... imagine. Also, 
the, the, the main chorus lady looked a little like Kathy Griffin, and Reva looked a tiny bit like Jeffrey Jones, and so I pictured a version of this episode with them in it. That was much funnier. Okay, sure. And uh, I just didn't like them in this. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with you, yeah. but I think, you know, I didn't really notice a lot of the editing and stuff. It didn't really bother me. Um, and especially considering the next episode is the is the Shisa man. I mean, Jesus Christ. <sighs> Talk about an episode which goes nowhere and, and, and just kind of ends because it has to end. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, you know. I don't know. I just liked it. I, I, yeah. I don't I don't really have no, any no, no. reason. I don't think it's I, I just it's it's one of those episodes that, you know, if you look at it objectively, it's probably not great. But I was entertained throughout it. I thought it was, um, you know, extremely well done uh, aside from a few issues. And, you know, if you look at this from the point of view of the acting, especially of the guy who played Riva, I think you're. I think you're missing something here, which is that, you know, the idea of the episode is that he is using his chorus to really um, be him in a sense. And so, yes, he he very much is there. He wants people to talk to him. Um, he gets kind of angry when uh, when when Picard accidentally speaks to you know, directs yeah. himself to one of the chorus instead of speaking directly to Riva. Um, but I think if you're looking at this from the point of view of a man who. What uh, wants a lot of his his emotions and a lot of his sort of um, dialogue to come out of these people? You know, he is going to be kind of muted, and he is going to be kind of um, a presence, but not a strong presence because he's relying on these other people to do it for him. And then once they're killed, he doesn't have that anymore. And I think you know you could make the argument that the actor who played him was was perhaps not um, able to portray this effectively but i think you're supposed to get the sense of a man who's having a little bit of a mental breakdown he's freaking out and i did get that um you know a lot of the uh, you know a lot of the frustration on his face and a lot of the um wild gesticulations as you put it um i just call it sign language because i'm not offensive and i don't hate deaf people like richard um that you know he he is supposed to act like that and he is supposed to be like that you know i guess what was really what really took a lot out of the episode and may have colored the rest of the how I felt about it was the fact that he and Troy just don't like each other. Um, during the entire dinner scene, when she's supposed to be, you know, having a romantic evening with him, she just has her lips very emotionless and she looks kind of... During that entire scene, I was waiting for her to say, all right, cut the bullshit. You know, who are you really or have, what do you have, really want? Have you seen Troy before? N- that that's just how she acts. Yeah, I know, I know that, I know that, and I'm, that's why I'm not saying it's entirely his fault. I don't think Troy likes anybody, frankly. Would you, if you could feel their all their emotions? No, I would hate it. I would go live on Graves' planet and kill the both of them because mm. Jesus. But again, we'll get into that later. Um, it yeah, I, I a, yeah, I got the sense that they were setting us up for a. I did not trust Riva for most of the episode, and I was ready for him to really. Yeah, why, I didn't though? seem like the. It's, it's, this it's, is again acting. They they didn't seem to make him, I guess, likable in any way. Like I thought he was again another one of those people who comes on the ship and screws everything up it, because they're malicious. Because also, how many guests have come onto the ship that have been wholly good on the Enterprise so far? Most of them have been there to cause trouble, and so I guess I could. I guess I was waiting for. Well, how is he going to fuck things up? And 
you know, what does end up happening is just kind of a very completely unforeseen chaotic element. And um, here's and here's where I will uh, I will reframe that for you. I think that this episode is a step forward for the next generation because it features a character which is not there to cause trouble. It features mm. a character which is there to help. Oh, and I agree. And which the 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 drama of the episode comes from an external source perhaps because of the 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 murder of the chorus, but it really is about this man's struggle and it's much more of a personal matter than anything else and I like yeah, that. You know, I, it's I guess it's, some of that... he's not a bad guy and you know, I certainly can see, you know, from from watching, you know, the first season of the show and the first couple episodes of this season, how you would think that. And I but... guess there is also a this may also be a direction and action direction and action thing as well, where I, I and I can't tell you exactly how this is, but I felt that he was being presented in a way which as they would present the villain, maybe just the music cues they were using or, or the way they were shooting him, something like I get that. The, I mean, I get the sense that it was more supposed to be that, that he was royalty. And, and, yeah, and, that, didn't know, come, that didn't come. You can, that's not how I got it. You can have your problems with royalty. I certainly do. And I think, you know, when he was talking about how, uh, you know, all of his uh, members of the royal family on his planet or whatever, you know, are born without the ability to hear, just like the Hanovers were born with hemophilia or whatever. And it's like, you know, then he says something that is extremely uh, uh, disconcerting, which is kind of like all of the great people um, that which did amazing things had these issues because they were inbred and i'm like well we don't really have royalty and i don't really get why star trek suddenly thinks that royalty is a good thing yeah it's, it's, it's a weird it's a weird off note in the episode and i think you're kind of supposed to get the sense that reva is very smart reva is very uh, capable he's very but he's also very full of himself well, and oh yeah and i think that's what the episode is really hinging on do you buy yeah. that or not and i bought it oh i was gonna say, and and again seeing maybe maybe also you knew where this episode was going did you had you seen this before uh, yeah i mean i've seen every episode so, of the show I mean, before you but might... I, I didn't really remember it very much yeah I mean, this you know it, for episodes to revisit i'm not really going to revisit it loud over a whisper from the second fair. season um, all the time so he came off as a bit more compassionate and a person who had been very aloof but had not and I guess, you know, this, there are parts that of the episode that I think may have been better done than others. The part when he's talking with Jordy and, you know, he seems almost genuinely compassionate towards Jordy when he's saying like, you know, oh, you know, you, you, you're compensating for your, you know, lack of sight by, but you're very, you know, you're very accomplished and you've, you know, managed to deal with that. And I think what, I think I seem to remember that's when he says the thing about, you know, greatness has been hampered. It's a way of kind of complimenting Jordy in some way and in a way complimenting all he goes to all of the crew we have seen this as a crew of misfits and part of the effective speech was for him to say like even though you're all like hampered in some way you have still managed to achieve greatness and perhaps that has pushed you on or perhaps that has you know that's where I thought that bit was going and I did like that scene and I did like how you know Riva's like touches everybody's you know chest just briefly to you know as I guess that's their greeting and when Jordy does that Riva's taken aback for a second but almost seems I guess flattered in a way like he's not used to being greeted back he's used to people I guess being a bit more deferential to him Jordy doesn't really see hierarchies in that way and I think that kind of touches Riva in a bit I think he likes that I think he likes that they hear somebody who can recognize him 
Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I, I think you also see that uh, in the scene uh, in the observation lounge where um, Picard comes in and, and calls Reeve and Reeve turns around, even though Reeve is deaf. Um, that was kind of <laughs> a, not a great blocking. Uh, and then also, you know, he, he basically is, is kind of breaking down and he's saying, you know, look, these are my friends. I rely on them. I relied on them more than I thought I did. And I thought that was a really um, I thought that was a really touching moment because I think like the Jordy stuff, it showed that Reeve... Uh, Yes, he he's very much a part, and I think he sets himself apart. I think he might be a little haughty, but and for his job, he does need to set himself a little apart. He is a diplomat. You can't have close relationships with too many people if you are right, kind of officially neutral. So. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think there's there's some sense of that as well, where you're really starting to get the real Riva, and you're really starting to see the real Riva. And I think there's a sense to which. Um, you know, maybe the episode is saying that the chorus perhaps wasn't a good thing because it did kind of set him apart in a weird way. And yes, it was, you know, they were telepathic or whatever and were able to read his, his thoughts so that he could communicate and things. But the sense of the fact, you know, the, 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 the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, perhaps they were setting Reva up in the beginning of the episode to come across as more of a dick than he turns out to be yeah. as kind of a fake out in a way. And, and I, and, oh, I think the moment when my opinion did start to change was when they they are attacking and, you know, they're they're trying, you know, and Reva comes up and immediately, like, he knows exactly what to say to get them to stop. Like, he, he doesn't even really seem to, you know, by, by complimenting, you know, you know, we need to do a new way, but, you know, you're very brave and, you know, this is how you're going to be, bra- you know, like, again, he's well, did he you, I mean- very good at it. We, when we see him doing his job again, if it weren't for that one guy who we can take who is I think is intended to be a completely chaotic rogue element. Yeah. Um Reva is very good at his job and the solution that he does come up with at the end is interesting and it is one which not only will bring these two societies together but which will bring Reva in com, into complete integration with the community because he will be the person who taught them to speak his own language. Like I have a feeling well, he won't necessarily be their king. They're not going to go that route with it. Um, he is going to be a tr- trusted advisor to both nations and probably, you know, considered a citizen of both. I mean, I you know, and and the funny thing is about those the the aliens in this episode as well. I I, I kept seeing Zathras from from Babylon Five, but <laughs> um, that's kind of incidental. Uh, you know, I, I I like the fact that he is good at his job, and I wanted to ask you if you thought that he wasn't going to be good at his job. Like, is that did, is that yeah. where you thought the episode well, was when, going? Yeah, like I thought, especially when they're at the briefing and they're starting to go into well, you know. And he says, well, that doesn't, you know, I don't even need to hear any of this. And you're thinking, oh, God, it's another, you know, there's arrogant. But then when he starts saying about, like, look, it's always, you know, nominally it's about land. Nominally it's about, you know, resources or whatever. He's like, but they've been fighting so long, you know. And he gives this take on the situation when he's saying, why are they going for peace now? Like, those kind of insights do are ones which transcend the specifics of the situation and – Again, deal, the, the way that the situation is solved at the end is something which does have nothing to do with the conflict in general, really. It's in a way by learning – they basically say, well, they're all going to be learning sign language in order to fix the problem and they're going to deal with this together. And that itself will be kind of a MacGuffin of some project they have to have. You know? Yeah. He's almost suggesting that, yeah, the specifics of conflict are irrelevant to every conflict almost. It is – Oh, you know, though through mutual co- cooperation, finding things in common, you know, which is a message of the series, 
of the series, of the franchise even. Again, I liked the concept of this episode, and I think if it had had some better parts to it, if the acting had been better, if the direction had been less, I felt it was just kind of sloppy. I felt the episode just kind of happened. Like, if it had been a little tighter focused, maybe, tomorrow more tightly done. I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say about that. I mean, I you know, I, I just it it, yeah. it is what it is. You either buy into it or you don't. And I bought into it. I think it was yeah. it was it was fine. I didn't really notice any of those problems. And you know, frankly, yeah. I, but I don't, and at the same time, I, I do want to make it clear. I know exactly why you bought into it, and I don't agree, disagree. Yeah, with yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And I think you know, you know, to your point about the acting. I mean, you know, Riva might not be the best actor, but but I didn't really get a sense that he was i mean he was terrible you know i mean it's 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 all a matter of taste i guess yeah. but we've had worse guest oh, actors yeah. on the show and he oh, is not yeah. one of them and i mean you know let's be clear you know the guy who played reva was a well-regarded deaf actor so really yeah i mean maybe oh. that says more about the quality of deaf actors than anything else i don't know but well what does that say about you about me yeah that you can say that deaf actors have a common quality i don't know <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about i'm trying to not seem like a deafist we haven't really talked about jordy you talked about it a little bit oh and, yes um, they, they... i did want to mention this because i thought it was extremely odd they have this yeah there's really no this is really a, an episode without a b plot mm-hmm. there's really no b- i mean maybe the troy stuff is a b plot but in effect it's all kind of just connected yeah, with yeah, Riva. yeah. and there's one scene with Jordy and Sickbay after Jordy and Reba yeah. have this moment together where, where, you know, like you said, Reba's talking about, oh, he's blind and this kind of thing, um, where Pulaski's saying that she could give him new eyes and he kind of leaves it and he says, I have to think about yeah. it. It's one scene. It doesn't go anywhere. They yeah. don't bring it up again. And it seemed kind of out of context. And I, I, I didn't really know why it was in the episode. Yeah, I got the sense it was uh, it was beginning a subplot, which would, you know, here we have a new element. He's always been, it, they're really trying to make Pulaski happen. They really are trying and God love them. I almost, I almost believe them. I be- almost believe it's going to happen sometime. I mean, at least know? she's not dicking around with data. This well, that's episode. that's it. They didn't do that any of that. So, um, but you know, she is a new element, and I do. I, from what I've seen, I do buy that she is actually able to do this surgery. Yes, it's a highly experimental procedure, and it does, you know, carry a lot of risks, as she says. But I do believe that if anyone is capable of fixing majority, you know with the word in quotes, she can do it. And that is a dilemma for him. Does he want to, he has a legitimate reason to want it fixed because as she says, you know, well, you're in, he's in constant pain. It's always said, um, and that will fix it, you know, and well, there's, there's two options she presents, right? One, one option is, um, get rid of the visor, but, but kind of have like smaller visor implants or something that would not be, uh, seeing the way that 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 sighted people see, it would still be that sort of like hazy. You know, you're looking at radiation yeah. patterns and whatever kind of thing, right? And but it he won't would be as good as his. Well, that's career. what she said. He would. Yeah. She would. He would lose about twenty percent of his of his acuity. Or she said that that she could actually like give him eyes, and he would yeah. actually see like a person. And so, which you know, she also again acknowledges may completely fail, just depending on you know him, and he may you know. But I get the sense from her that while it could fail, he could still go back to the visor. I guess. Anyway, 
Um, either way, you know, and she does say it's a one shot deal. It's not like we can try again. You know, it's now or never. Um, and I can and I can certainly understand why why Jordy would would perhaps not be interested in in the first option, but but would be interested in in, in, yeah. in or or at least tempted by seeing like a sighted person. But you know, my issue with it really is like. They don't come to any resolution in the episode. I mean, yeah, they needed the, to. They the, needed to. The have... question is interesting, but it doesn't go anywhere. And the next generation is still not a show that's really going to revisit things like that down yeah. the road. So it seems like okay, well, this was one scene in an episode that didn't go anywhere. So why include it? You could have even had one more quick. I mean, it would have. It, it did need a punchline, I guess, if you will. Right. Jordy needed to learn something from. His experiences with Riva to ha- that would justify him saying, you know, something. No, the way I am, you know, I can deal with this pain. I get this advantage from this, and you know, this is what works for me. This is who I am. You know, he needed to, you know, at the beginning when, um, you know, when Riva says, you know, you don't, you don't resent, you know, wearing the visor, and he says, you know, oh, no, I like who I am. You know, I don't, I don't mind. I don't regret this anymore. He's given an option to prove that he likes who he is, and we never see him it, sure it's implicit that he that's what his decision is it's implicit that he and it probably wasn't a very big dramatic moment about him. he just probably just kind of read a pamphlet and decided, you know no, not worth it, you know, plenty of people decide they don't want to get LASIK, you know because they decide that the glasses are easier enough um. We should have seen that. You're right. He should have had a, a very quick scene with Doctor Pulaski where he says, "You know, no, you know, I've thought about it, and no, not at this. I'm not going to take it at this time. You know, well, Jordy, my door is always open. You know, yeah, that's fine, Doctor Pulaski, but I think I'm going to be sticking around with this for a very long time, and that's it." That's all you needed to do, and that would have, again, it would have reinforced some of the themes of the episode. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of my point, is that, you know, if if you really look at the episode, the episode is basically saying in the sort of late 80s way that became popular that, you know, sort of turning a disability or a handicap into a strength, you know, saying that people that are disabled um, in some way or or, or have some sort of disability um, are not lesser people, and they can still function, and they can even turn those functions, you know, those things into strengths. There's a kind of, Um, you know, you're blind, but you have superheroes type of you know well i don't even think it's I bad mean, I but think, it is still it's within that neighborhood at least. i think it's well i think that's being a little facetious honestly i think that you have to look at it from the point of view we have a great example in this episode reva turns his yeah. his deafness into a strength and he's able to use his abilities as as a as a diplomat um even without his chorus and he sort of turns his his lack of of, of hearing into a way to um bring the two sides together I think that a scene with with Jordy deciding that you know his disability yeah. in quotes perhaps um, is is necessary for him to function as an officer or yeah. or he's relied on it and it's given him other opportunities and other ways to develop his skills and become an interesting officer and 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 he doesn't want to lose that ability and I think that we needed that and yeah maybe it would have seemed a little uh, a little um, redundant after the Reva stuff but. You either have to include a capper yeah. on that subplot or you have to not include it at all. I mean, Jordy is a character that they – Jordy's main theme is that he is does have some kind of cybernetic implant. He's a lead – he's the head engineer and one of his best friends is an android. Like, we need to talk – and he gets along with Wesley who has this affinity for – certainly does. Yeah. I mean, they they – Jordy does have a connection to machinery that's a very deep and intimate one. Um, and he doesn't really oh. 
Not like that. No, I'm just... Well, oh, yeah. Oh, does it happen later on? It might. Oh, no. It might not. Should I just not continue this conversation? Yeah, maybe we should just stop. All right. I don't... Oh, God. Now I'm thinking about... I'm giving this five members of a chorus. I'll give this a six. Okay. Um... I liked the concept. I liked the plot. There was a lot that I liked about it. This wasn't a bad episode. I can't say it was. Um, Let's move on to the Shisa Man. So the Shizoids, Gizoid, whatever the hell this is, man. um, I I wanted to die. Did you? While I was watching this episode. Like, it started out good. I appreciated the joke of Data growing a beard. I, I knew it was great. I was hoping that was when they're with, cause, you know, they're they're teasing and they're showing his back. They're so waiting as long as I'm like, did he grow a beard? I hope he grew a beard. Please let him have grown a beard. I grew I, a beard. It I, was perfect. I had remembered it as a mustache, but I was perfectly fine. It was a full and lush beard, even though it was obviously fake. Um, and I, well, I mean, I, it, it would have probably been fake in universe. It's I, not like he can actually grow a beard. No, he can. He has hair. I mean, his hair grows. I think. Um, anyway, that's not really relevant. Uh, so, so I think, you know, when I stroke it thusly, do I not seem, I, I that was all great. That was a that wonderful was great. scene. Troy, Troy just has to leave. She's <laughs> cracking up and she doesn't want to insult him. So she just leaves. And they um, cut it because it's like, you know, Jordan, you, you could, you know, what, what was funny. And you're like, Jordy's like, okay, I got to explain to my friend that he looks weird. <laughs> right. Uh, that was great. And that was the best part of the episode. <sighs> and then it just went downhill from there. Okay. I, I, I'm getting a sense that you do not feel the, the same I do way. not at all feel this way. I really liked this episode because I thought it was fairly creepy. I thought the way that it dealt with stakes on a – in the sense of a Star Trek episode as in it is a very it's, – it's a battle for the soul of Data, which is my favorite character. And that may have been a lot of it because I really liked Data. And I thought this put him in a very interesting situation. I thought it brought a couple of interesting wrinkles onto his conception of humanity. And you are giving me a look of death. Yeah, I am. This is probably one of the worst episodes of any Star Trek show I've ever seen. Why? Okay, so... Is this, like, alternative factor bad to you? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was it I was I was really unhappy with this episode. Huh. Um so we start out with a a stock original series plot where they come ac- they come across a, a, a an elderly scientist who is living with a buxom young woman on a planet with no one else. All right, whatever. His name is Ira Graves. Ha ha ha. He's going to die. Um Oh, I didn't get that. Yeah. Uh it's Graves' planet. Um, then of course we get one of my, my least favorite things about the next generation, which is that we get, um, Brent Spiner has the opportunity to overact (laughs) in an extremely annoying fashion. And I, I will readily admit that, uh, a lot of my dislike of the, this episode and a lot of your like of the episode is perhaps because we have different opinions about Brent Spiner's acting abilities, which is fine. Um, but it's less his acting abilities and more. I just really like data. So really anytime data is doing anything, I'm delighted. 
it's very hard for me to not like a data see. But see, here's the thing. Data's not doing anything. And data's not doing anything interesting. Yeah, I don't care. And data's, I, and data's, I, I know. I really like and, data. And data is, I, I know that you like data. And I would like you to remember that you like data when we get to an episode in a couple weeks. Because I think another reason why I don't like this episode is that there's a much better version of this episode coming. And it's probably the first classic episode of the series. Okay. So... You might not like this episode once you see that episode. But I just, you know, it's just one of those things where, and I'm I'm having trouble putting into words exactly why it bothers me so much, but I like Data when Brent Spiner is acting like Data. I don't like it when the writers seem to be in love with the idea of giving Brent Spiner the opportunity to ham it up in an extremely unfunny, in extremely uninteresting fashion. Um, in the same way that 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 Brent, you know, they decided to change the script of Brothers um, to have Brent Spiner act like an insane person, and and I don't like lore, and lore comes back at some point, and I just really fundamentally do not like Brent Spiner hamming it up. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. And please say something because I just feel like I'm babbling, but I really just don't like it. See, I didn't. It frustrates really... me to no end when they do this. Well, I didn't take any of this episode to be him being funny like i i did what is the point like and the thing is he's not even acting like ira graves he's acting like lore like it doesn't make any sense even i okay i get why you don't like see you we're supposed the thing is like we are supposed to believe that ira graves is a Nice old man who's a little weird and doesn't really like people, but he's not in no way do I get the sense that he is fundamentally a bad person, right? No, I get and then the sense... suddenly he puts his brain into data or well, whatever the see, fuck he does and he becomes lore. And it's like, well, Brent Spiner, I get it. You're not a good actor. Like you can only do lore and here's... you can do lore. But but in an episode which needs more subtlety, in an episode which could have been a really interesting examination of what exactly Data is. Is he a person? Is he a machine? Is it right that Ira Graves did this? Perhaps we could have had Data and him integrating their personalities. There's no explanation for any of and this. No. And it's just it's a wasted opportunity because they just want they, they just use it as an opportunity to have Brent Spiner run around for twenty minutes acting like more. Okay, and I don't disagree with any of this. I thought it was another. I thought it was an interesting example of one of the typical Star Trek obsessions with power corrupting, and I thought it did that in an interesting way. I because you're right. Uh, How? Because Graves is not, as you said, he's not a bad guy. He is terrified of death. He has this plan to live in a computer. When Data comes and he mentions this off switch. It's kind of too good of a temptation for Graves to pass up. He makes a completely bad decision at that moment, but it's... Oh, and by the way, you really don't think that they thought this was funny? Do you not remember the eulogy scene, for Christ's sake? That creeped me out. That That was supposed to be funny. I'm sorry. They were playing that for laughs. They had to have been. No, I thought... See, the the way... That's the thing. Oh, Data's acting funny and nobody knows why. This is wacky. And it's like, okay, I just... See, it didn't come off as funny. It came off as... This is the first time when they realize that, like, oh, no, he's not just acting a little off. He's acting completely batshit. Like, again, he is, this is just somebody that they know and they've worked with. And for all they know, he's just suddenly given this rambling, bizarre, insane. I mean, if a person did that, you would assume that they were just drunk or something or, you know, seriously, you know, they they 
you would just, there was some kind of problem. The fact that Wesley keeps joking about it, I took to just be like, Wesley, you fucking idiot. Like, was this... Wesley in this episode? Yes, he was. His voice is changing. Oh. Um, Maybe that's why he wasn't in the episode very much. Yeah. He hasn't been in the second season very much because they can't do that because he's, oh, my name is Wesley. <laughs> Warp speed, Mr. Picard. Oh, he did. He did it. He had that happen. Yeah, like his very yeah. first line is like, oh, Wesley, I remember being 13. It sucked. Um, yeah, Wesley is like, keeps saying to Data, especially right after, like, Data, that was hilarious. You know, to know him is to love him. Ha, 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 ha. And, like, it came off as, like, Wesley, you know who, like, since we know what's happening, Wesley is, comes off as fucking clueless. I guess there's a level to which we are just having extremely different reactions to this because yeah, again, if you, you think this is creepy and I think it's annoying and stupid. Yeah, and I don't know that we can really explain. No, why, and I, and I don't that. know that we can really bridge this gap. But, but it is one of those where if you if I would if like, you're I, watching him uh, data be Graves as comedic, then yeah, it's not funny. I agree with that. I guess I took it as it was supposed to, like thinking. Pretend that the episode, pretend that the episode is supposed to be a disturbing episode about somebody literally, you know, possessing one of the characters and acting really weird, and he's going to take his girlfriend and he's going to make her and have an have a robot body and you know all of that. Like, and again, this is Graves just has this immortal body and he is going a little mad with the power of it. I believe the end when he finally does realize, like, no, I. He doesn't seem to want to do anything more with this body than just live longer. And I, I, I can understand that. Um, and, and we can get to the end of the episode yeah. in a minute because I think the end of the episode is also extremely problematic. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is I, I can totally intellectualize all of that and pretend that that is the episode yeah. that we saw. And I think that's even where they were going to go with it. But the fact of the matter is I fundamentally do not think and i do not believe and I, I cannot support the idea that brent spiner is a great actor he's he's great at playing data um but he's not good at pulling this kind of thing off and he just comes across as a a creepy version of data he comes across as lore and he's not coming across as ira graves he's not coming across as a subtle yeah char- this is not subtle character no, I, work. I, I, and i don't this is not a that. subtle episode and this should be a subtle episode this should be an episode about ira graves having this reaction to this and then having something else happen in the this is the other thing like nothing else happens it's just data running around for 20 minutes and it's also predicated on the idea that everybody else in the fucking enterprise crew is an idiot well there and is would that. not notice immediately the data was acting extremely weird because remember the last time data was acting extremely weird was when fucking lore took him like i mean this is just like it, it's no it's, no no i don't disagree with any of those i really don't and it's really funny how some of those kind of mirror things I was saying about the first episode. Like, I feel like if this episode had had certain changes, you would have liked it a lot better. And if the, the sure, it, it, if yeah. Lot as a Whisper had had certain changes, and if wishes, I would have liked, if and wishes would, were horses, I would have a stable full of horses. I, I just, you know, this is, <laughs> where would you keep them, this Eric? Is, this remind like when we talk about the next generation in the first and second season, it always reminds me of something my grandmother said, which never really made any sense to me and still doesn't. But she always said. Wish in one hand, shit in the other. See which fills up first. Now, you know, 
I don't know why you would be shitting in your hand, but I assume you shit more than you wish, or you wish more than you no, shit. No, 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 so no. It's I... not you're shitting in your own hands. Someone else is shitting, and someone else is giving wish. Like you, you're just like you, you. You go to you go into the middle of Times Square, and you're like, "All right, people, put wishes in my left hand and shit in my right." And people, more people are going to shit in your and right so, hand. And so, and so, um, I guess in this in this analogy, that the person shitting in my hand is the writer of this episode, Tracy Torme. Yes. Yeah, I just you know. Um, I liked Loud as a Whisper as the episode was constructed. It certainly could have been stronger in some places, but I liked it. You seem to like the idea of this episode more than you actually like the episode, and you want me to like the idea of the episode more than the episode as well. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do it. I think it's an awful episode. It's poorly constructed. Brent Spiner acts like a creepy motherfucker dick who's not even funny. Um, the the rest of the Enterprise crew is predicated on the idea that they're all completely stupid and have forgotten about the existence of lore, have forgotten about Data acting like a weird bitch uh, uh, like six months ago. And also, let's not forget the end of the episode, which is predicated on the idea that Ira Graves, a, a mad scientist type who is in love with the idea of living forever and wants to do great things, would voluntarily decide for no apparent reason other than the fact that it's it's minute 43 of a minute uh, of a 45 minute show that suddenly they get this thing where he's breaking people's arms and stuff and it's like so he's going to leave and he's going to put his knowledge into the computer because he doesn't want to hurt anybody else and it's like okay on the one hand i suppose that's okay and this really he really if they does had set it up in any way whatsoever but they don't and yeah, then they do because he really gets the he really starts to show, you know, he starts breaking people's arms because they're basically trying to catch him. And, you know, he, but he really doesn't start to show remorse until, you know, Picard calls the sick bay and they say that, you know, that the woman, he had broken her hand and that they're fixing her hand. And he starts to be like, he doesn't really seem to show remorse for the others as much as they realize, no, he's just become an abusive boyfriend. Like, I think that was his moment when he realized, like, no, I actually fucking hurt the person I love. And I and he realizes so, how terrified she was. And, so you know, so the person to which it was said that they had never consummated their relationship in any way and who apparently was about 60 years younger than him. Um, he actually I, I think that's called stalking. Um, yeah. And I don't know that I have any sort of feelings about that one way or the other honestly i mean i don't think it's it's not necessarily portraying their relationship as it is as a good one or a bad one she's you know when they talk to her her about it her take on it she, you know she implies that you know she's like, I, if, if i had been older she implies that she did have a certain relate uh, affection for him but then she says you know well that was that was, you know, I'm, that's not how it turned out, you know. I'm supposed to care that the dirty old man stalker is suddenly uh, apologetic for hurting his stalky. That's what I'm supposed to get. I don't out think of this? you're necessarily supposed to like. It. What, what, that's not what I'm saying. Like that—that's his motivator for it. Whether it's good or bad is not the point of it. That's what motivates him to figure to start to realize, like, shit, I've gone a little too far for this again. I think his only plan was and just to live longer. He didn't necessarily want to be hurting anybody. And then when realizing that he can't do one without the other, he needs to give up the one goal. He does it in a way which doesn't completely kill him. He doesn't naturally die at the end. He does upload himself to the computer, which I think is kind of a compromise. Um, 
I mean, I guess, but then why couldn't he just use less pressure when he touched people? Like that, that just doesn't, you know, like if I'm picking up glasses and shit and breaking them, I'm, I'm not going to use as much force the next time I pick up a glass. Yeah, so you're asking me to say, why? well, why do people beat up their girlfriends then? Why, yeah, why don't they when they could just have a rational discussion Well, about no, it? that's not... That is exactly what it is. He's, no, that's not That's not what he was doing at all. I mean, the, yeah, the, the implication... Yeah, it was when the, he's... Ta- the, the implication in the episode is that, that, that he, like, touched her in a loving fashion, and no! because he wasn't, like, used to the force of what Dana Not was a, doing. No, did, like, he, did, you, did you watch the episode when he's talking? Well, to, admittedly, I was zoning out at the end. Because there but, is that, yeah, there's that scene when he talks to her in 10 Forward when they have Worf, like, looking out. And he's saying, you know, oh, I'm going to make another, I'm going to make a robot body for you. Sure. I'm gonna, he grabs her hand and he's talking to her and she's like, let go of me. And he's holding on to her hand. That's when he breaks her hand. He's... She's freaked out by what he's saying, and she wants to get away, and he's kind of holding on to her. And he realize, you know, that's what—that's how she breaks her hand. He doesn't necessarily realize, I guess, at the time that he did break her hand, which he wasn't thinking about. But that's kind of the moment where it hits home what exactly he did. I think he's just kind of running on things, and then he real he. He knows he's a dick. I don't think he realizes he's an, he's as much of a dick as he is until that end. It still doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, like, you know, yes, okay, he's he's acting a little strange and he's acting a little weird. And, you know, he's still thinking of himself as an old man who's very sick. Um, and then suddenly he realizes that, you know, because he misinterpreted his actions and forgot that he was in a very strong android body and accidentally uh, injured um, his whatever... I don't think it's the his, fact that he was his, necessarily in an android body had something to do with it. I think he is the kind of guy who would even have hurt her in if he still had his human body. You know, it just happens to be easier because he has an android body, but I think that's fairly irrelevant. So he suppo- still would have been as psychologically tormented to her. So so we're supposed to believe that a man who is um, okay with psychologically tormenting someone who he says he loves, who um, doesn't like anyone and, and, acts, you know, and, and very explicitly moved to a planet where no one else lived except for the person that he is psychologically torturing for 50 years, um, that a man who Who says will, he's psychologically torturing her for 50 years? I do. Um, does she seem like a normal person to you? I mean, she doesn't seem like a normal person to me and she certainly doesn't seem like she has any sort of like self-esteem or anything. And she really is a non-entity in this episode. So I just have to kind of go with that. The script doesn't seem very interested in engaging with her as a person. And so I have to assume that there is no person there to engage with, um, that, you know, he's said to be misogynistic and, and, and the, the Vulcan doctor. He's not a nice guy. No, in no way am I saying he's at all a nice guy or a redemption worthy guy. I mean, don't why I, this is not under, this is, I'm not disagreeing. And I, again, I think that, you know, the episode that you're talking about, sure, I would love to see it, but this is not that episode. I think Brent Spiner is just not able to pull this off, and okay. he's playing lore. I mean, that's basically what it is to me. So you didn't like this episode because you didn't like Brent Spiner. I didn't like this because I didn't like Mr. Death. Um, no, but 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 there are other reasons why I didn't like the episode. Like I said, like yeah, the, oh, the, I know that. Fact, I know, the but fact that, that was... the fact, and the thing is, like you know, I haven't even touched upon this, but you know, yes, the Enterprise crew was all running around acting like idiots, and they'd forgotten the fact that again, lore took over um, Data yes. you know, for a while. I know they but, did. but also, you know, just on a purely uh, a, a level of watching this as a person who's watching an episode of television, like there is absolutely no dramatic tension or interest in watching a bunch of people run around acting like they don't know why someone is acting weird when you know why they're acting weird. 
Like there's no no dramatic tension or interest there whatsoever. And so there's this long flabby section of the episode which is honestly why I tuned out and did not pay attention to the end of the episode very much because it's not interesting in any way. I I don't know what to say other than I didn't I can't necessarily say it was the greatest episode of Star Trek, certainly, but I liked it. I thought it was interesting more than you seem to have thought it was interesting. I, again, I thought it was a battle for the, for a character that I happen to really like, and I don't know, it just worked for me. I will say that you should revisit this episode and in, I, a, in a few years. And that's, and because, again, as you say, there. I, I don't have that knowledge that there's a better version think, of this episode. And I think there's a level to which, you know, I think there's, I think there's a level to which, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Uh, I think there's a level to which you're approaching this episode in a way because you think that this is the best version of this that the show is capable of giving us, in a way. Like... This well, the is, show has this, not given me this any is, hope. This so is far. certainly, this is certainly a much stronger episode than eighty percent of the first season. Yeah. And I will readily admit that. That you know, yes, it has plotting problems. It has acting problems. Again, Brent Spiner, please, my God, just stop it. Just stop. I think um, he doesn't stop. Ever. No, he doesn't, and it's really bad. Every time he does it, it's like, shut the fuck up, Brent Spiner. You are not. I don't find you charming. Just go away. Just act like Data, okay? We like Data. We like him. Act like Data. Remember the beginning of this episode when you grew the beard, and you're just like, when I stroke it thusly, that's cool. Keep doing that stuff. Don't do this fucking weird lore shit. Anyway, um, that, you know, I get it. Like, this is demonstrably a much stronger episode of television it's a much stronger episode for all of these characters yeah it's 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 great like compared to like lonely among us or justice yeah. Yeah. or code of yeah. honor or or all of those that's what crappy that's the episodes shit the you've been season. making me watch like you i don't understand i don't know this the show gets good eric no i know so i, know. I mean i can't be blamed for having shit thrown at me every day, every day, every week. It's like, here's another bad episode. Oh here's another horrible episode. You know what's going to happen? We're going to have Ferengi. That's going to be fun. All right, we're going to show an oil slick in a suit. This is what I've been watching week after week. So once, once I enjoy an episode because it has a character I like. And I don't, I, I'm sorry. I know Richard, I'm wrong. Richard. Oh my god, I'm your Ira Graves. You're I've my been, Ira I've been, Graves. I've been psychologically abusing you for the past, like, t- t- two months. Yes! I'm glad you finally realized this. Now upload yourself in the computer and let's go home. I'm so sorry. I actually liked Pulaski in this episode. I thought it was going to be a Pulaski episode at the beginning. Um, yeah, what was that about? I, I don't like it was like, oh, OK, well, there's this ship that but OK, I'm not going to go down to the planet. Like, was she busy this week? Like, <laughs> it was weird to me. Like, I don't know. It was just like bizarre. And then, yeah, but I liked it because and then you get the Vulcan doctor who's playing wearing way too much makeup. Yeah, well, I liked it because it actually does, you know, they, they basically they tell her. You know, they they have this mission to save this doctor or they could save these 2000 people. And, you know, Picard says, like, well, what do we do? And she kind of like really only. And I would I would always say, you know, uh, my choice would be which one is going to give me more XP and gold. Of course. Um, You know, am I playing Rogue or Paragon in this playthrough? Um, 
You know, she really only thinks about it for a half a second before she says, well, we got to save the ship because, you know, that's 2,000 people. Like, she is, she really much is in this Star Trek needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. And I like that, that she kind of goes there. Um, she does, you know, earlier we had seen her having trouble making decisions or not making decisions. And I think, you know, I, I like when she does not seem bad at her job. She is no Dr. Crusher. And I and Dr. Crusher would have known about the off switch and Dr. Crusher would have been able to have had a much better active role in this episode and would have solved the mystery a lot faster. But, yeah, um, I did. I don't know. It was just a and the fact that her, you know, the, the, the person that she sends sets in charge of this medical mission is a Vulcan. And she says, you know, she has my complete, you know, trust and confidence. You know, she's she's trusting a Vulcan. And that's, you know kind of a step for her well i don't really i don't mean i i don't really ever think that we've seen any evidence that pulaski is like racist no I mean, and and i mean we're I think talking about we're I, talking about her making steps that beyond you know that mccoy persona and mccoy you know how we felt about vulcans i feel that she may be at a point where she's you know and we again we only saw her in bits and pieces in this episode but she wasn't harping on the you know well data you robot she would have had plenty of choice things to say about data in this episode and maybe that is why they got her out for it because they just did not want to deal with the she would have to have a very they would have to have her be a very big part of this episode if she was around yeah that could be just yeah. because she does have such a strong opinion and that would kind of bring up like we're not supposed to come from this episode like the this is her this situation would perfectly justify her saying, Look, you're letting an android on the bridge and you, you you're saying I'm wrong for not letting androids on the bridge, but this fucking happened. You know, she would be perfectly this episode does kind of ju- justify her reticence to trust androids or reticence to consider androids people. And I guess there is a sense to which, you know, the, the obvious question here at the end of this episode is is um why isn't data's computer core protected or passworded in any way whatsoever? Yeah, I don't know. Like, that would kind of make sense to do. And maybe they should have, like, thrown a line at the end of the episode that they did that. But then I guess they couldn't have done this again. Yeah, I was going to say, you I know, think they, maybe they do. I don't know. They could have done a very simple, you know, oh, you know, somebody as brilliant like Graves would be able to get past his security. You know, that's it. I can believe that. You just tell me he's a master hacker. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the re- that doesn't contradict anything. The re- you know, the, the episode does say he's very brilliant. We don't know what he actually does is one of the things, and I will say that uploading someone's brain to a computer is not a new thing because it has been done in the universe before. That's true. That's true. And they did make the point that he taught um, Noonien Soong everything he knows yeah. as well. Which, and then just, I, we haven't even talked about the, the creepy shit about Data calling him Grandpa. Which, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, they, and they, that could have also been, you know, dealt with as in a... You know, people have been able to upload imprints of personalities or they've been able to do limited versions, but, you know, not as efficiently or as quickly or, you know, like they 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 could have justified that he did it better, you know. I don't Um, know. Well, uh, I I think that um, we're done. Um, And and I think that uh, after you leave, um, I'm going to watch the episode that comes up in a few weeks. It's. Um, a lot better than this because I'm just tired. I understand. Like I just, I just like, I'm just, I'm really just Listen, tired er, 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 of, of er, this, er, er, and George. I just want, I want like Eric. We here, here, here. Calm down. Stroke your beard. Rub it. 
Rub oh, your beard. Okay, that's good. Rub your beard thusly. Okay, I, li- I like it. Okay. Doesn't this make you feel better? Yeah, it's comforting. It's soothing. Listeners, if you have beards or if you have chins, I think you should uh, rub your beard or your chin. And, you know, it'll just calm us all down. Yeah, and I think um, next week when we talk about unnatural selection and, and a matter of honor, that, that maybe those will be um, those will be less aggravating for me. And, and maybe I'll be us. a little better. All right. Well, stroking so, off. This is Richard, and uh, this this is Eric. So so we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye, guys.